Good afternoon and welcome everybody. This would be the Jeff Cameron Show right here on 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. And a fine Bowls Wednesday to you and yours. Appreciate you joining us. Hope you're well. Come on in here. Let's hang out for a couple of hours together, shall we? On Twitter, it's at J Cameron Show. Should make note uh, tonight here on these airwaves, huh? The news is good. Right here on 93.3, you'll get an opportunity to hear the softball game. Florida State carried right here on 93.3 Real Talk Radio. Good uh, good job, everybody. Good job. You guys down front. Good work, everybody. You know what that means. At about 7.52 p.m. tonight, you'll hear from Patty Gasso talking about how her squad has not earned the right to be in Oklahoma sooner. <laughs> but we'll see if they earn that right. Oh, my goodness gracious. I don't listen to Patty Gasso. I don't think I've I've only heard her a couple of times. I found her repulsive and I just stopped listening to her, so I don't bother with it anymore. Well, that was two yeah. years ago yeah. when we ran it at uh, the old place. Yeah. Yeah. She's um she's something. Yeah, yeah. Mm. She's something. I, I'll give her credit for this. I did see in passing in the story that she said they wouldn't apologize for their celebratory ways. Good. Well, if you're going to do it, just embrace it. Just be it. You know, go ahead and be the heel. I told you, man, that it's yeah. over the top. It is oh, yeah, It yeah. is taunting. It is egregious. It yeah. is bat flips for intentional walks. Oh, no, I know. And spikes and, and, you know, and points and all that. Yeah. No, I saw. But my point would be, like, if you've decided to do that, if that's who you are, if you're going to let kids, then do it. Just do it. Just keep doing it. Obviously, it agitates people. I, I mean, at that point, just embrace the bad guy. Just be who you are. Um, you know, we hate it when people try to fake it. Like, I'd, I'd rather just get it all out there in the open. Let me know who you are. All right. right. Yeah. Yeah. If you're Steve Spurrier, be Steve Spurrier. Be Steve Spurrier. No half measures. Yeah. You know, you chide, you do it. You do whatever you got to do. You take your shots. You have some fun with it. Unapologetically. The funniest thing she said was over the weekend, uh, something along the lines of after the Stanford win, you know, we've run-ruled a lot of teams, and it's just not the same. These are the games that you remember, not the times that we've run-ruled opponents out yeah. here. <laughs> Fair enough. Well done. That you have. That's kind of funny. But so have we. Yeah. No, but that's kind of funny, by the way. I have to give him credit for that. That's some stuff maybe you and I would yeah. do. Like, yeah. You know, we've had a lot of wins out here. Some of them so lopsided, I forget that we even played the game. Yeah. Like, Tiger could say that. Oh, yeah. You know, like, well, yeah. I when I won by 13 strokes. Pebble, so I, 97. It was, you know. it wasn't, I was the only one. Was I the only but one under par? This 15th major in my 40s. I, I was the only one. This is the one. The, the, the one where I didn't hit driver all week. Yeah. That, that was the was, stinger. That was the yeah. stinger week. Made it harder. Yeah. I was bored. <laughs> Those kinds of moments are funny. When I needed to. was funny. Clearly taking a shot right there at the dais at Sergio Garcia in the moment. If they didn't fix Augusta, I would have gone driver, seven iron, and wedge. And that's what I would have played. Uh, uh, so it is tonight, 93.3 Real Talk Radio War Chant TV. You can, you can listen to it uh, here on the radio. Uh, that is a good thing. Uh, Tallahassee's WCWS home plate, thanks to Wooden Glass. Good job, everybody. So... What do you what do you serve in tonight for dinner for the big game? Ooh, well, uh, it's gonna be a Taco Wednesday. That's what we're having tonight. You know, by the way, people could talk about a Taco Tuesday, but I would uh, I would encourage tacos on any day of the week. Yeah, we had them last Damn night, delicious. But sometimes the meat turns quickly, so I just figured when we 
did the rundown for the week. Why don't we just go back-to-back nights? Besides, we make the Pico. Well, we, Jamie makes the Pico, and it largely goes unused, leftovers. But if you go back-to-back nights, you're going to use everything, all of your resources. It's a way to get 1% better. So did I see this today? Sadly, I did. Damn it. Man. Rest in peace, the Iron Sheik. Oh, man. Today. Legend. And it's of my era. I love the Iron Sheik. I love the Iron Sheik as a bad guy. I loved him. I used to love that people hated him in ways uh, that were unimaginable. And the danger involved in embracing all of that. Um, it was it was incredible. It felt uh, unsettling at times uh, when he, you know, when you go back to early 80s and Sergeant Slaughter and Hulk Hogan and all that stuff. Like, I remember, like, somebody's going to, I remember thinking somebody's going to get stabbed. These fans are unhinged. They don't realize it's fake. <laughs> they think he really hates America. Um. But yeah, man. And by the way, he was a Greco-Roman wrestler, like a badass, like a really legitimate badass. Yeah, he was built that way. You could tell those Greco-Roman guys, they've got a stoutness to them, not yeah. a steroid to them. Yeah. He had the stout look. He was a freak. His final tweet of his life. Do you know what it was? Oh, it was I'm perfect. sure it was perfect. F the wildfires <laughs> in all caps. <laughs> How great is that? Oh, my goodness. Well, rest in peace indeed. If you're of a certain age, you remember uh, the Iron Sheik like it was yesterday. Uh, yeah, he has been – he had a second life. We've seen the documentary, all of the uh, incredible moments post-Twitter uh, fame. Um, you know, And that happened by accident. His handler helped him. And then he just he went, he leaned into it, embraced it. He was broke at the time. It turned back into a very lucrative thing. Last one, I promise. The penultimate tweet of his life: "Whoever let the dogs out can go f yourself." <laughs> Always in all caps. Uh, I remember. Um, so when I was when when I was a kid, and and so you got to remember this. So this is eighty two, eighty three, eighty four. Man. I rooted for every bad guy there was. I, I I would piss off my neighborhood friends because I loved Rowdy Roddy Piper. I loved the Iron Sheik. I loved the Missing Link. I loved all, I mean, anybody that was bad. It, the more evil you were, the better. I wanted you to cheat. I wanted you to pull a foreign object out of your out of your pants. I wanted you to uh I wanted you to like Summon the help of 15 people while you locked the doors and pretended to break Dusty Rhodes' leg. I wanted all of it. Like, uh, the horsemen, I wanted all of that stuff to happen because I remember my favorite part about it was looking around in the stands when we went to events or, or watching them with people and seeing how the anger, it was so real. Piper's Pit was one of my favorite things of all time. And when the Iron Sheik was on Piper's Pit, it was incredible. Like, these two guys are gods. They're infuriating the masses. I grew up in a different era of wrestling, but it was no less edgy. Oddly enough, it was still very edgy right, in the well, late 90s. And it's sucked forever now. It has. But Stone Cold was the anti-hero. You loved him. Right. And he did crazy stuff. 
like dousing everybody in the corporate landscape with a beer truck. Yeah. Went all over the ring. But then the NWO was the beginning of my time. So it was the Monday Night Wars, 1997, 1998. And they would pull out stun guns in a tag team match. A guy would get tossed to the one side of the ring. Hulk Hogan would distract the ref doing something crazy. And then a stun gun to the kidney. And the guy goes down one, two, three. Stuff like that. Foreign objects, man. <laughs> Foreign objects were the woods. But the camel clutch, man. And he'd get people in the camel clutch. It was like when Mr. Wonderful would get people in the figure four, uh, Paul Orndorff. When the guys would do that stuff, man, I was like, yes. And anybody, well, pile drivers. Pile drivers which were, I mean, those were the number one thing. You got somebody, and you pile drive somebody, it was over. I was like, oh, you're going to break his neck. Here we go. Um, so most of these guys, they're, they're dying off. I, I mean, that's a long life for a wrestler. That is a very long life for a wrestler. Um, I wouldn't have guessed Iron Sheik because those, those stories are legendary. Those guys traveling across the country in a car, cases of beer, just drinking all night long on their way to the next stop, staying in a hotel, getting up, wrestling, doing it again the next night, 700 miles away. Nobody's sober for months on end. Those are crazy stories. It was more than just beer. A whole lot of stuff going on. Oh, there was a lot. There was, <laughs> there was a lot. In places we don't talk about. Yeah. Um. All right. So we feeling good tonight. I don't know. I don't know. I, I. I. There's no doubt we are, in fact, immense underdogs, despite our talent, despite how good we are. Uh, that's the way that you know Oklahoma has built this thing. Uh, they are uh, a, a an absolute force of nature, but they can be beat. And this is a really good Florida State team that is brimming with confidence. One would think. Your superstars have to be superstars. And when you face you know, an opponent of this magnitude, their fourth and fifth and sixth best players are all elite. So your stars have to be transcendent. In the event you wish to wager on tonight's game, there is a line. There is one. Florida State is a 3-1 to underdog. Mm -hmm. Oklahoma mm -hmm. is minus 390. Makes sense. Uh, it makes it makes sense. I mean, the um, minus four hundred for Oklahoma to win the women's college world series. Florida State again paying out three to one. Yeah, I mean, the bottom line is, if you win fifty one straight games, you're a juggernaut. <laughs> That's all there. There's no getting around that. This would be a cool like. I try to toe the line because on the one hand, you know, trying to paint this as a magnificent upset discredits how good Florida State is. Trying to paint this as against all odds, Hoosiers-type moment, is unfair to Florida State. They've got a lot of talent as well. Sandercock is an elite softball player. And has gone to a different level these last couple months. Right. So, you know, I don't want – in a sport – back-to-ball sports are unique this way. If you have a star, if you have a unique, transcendent talent on the hill, you can control the game. You can win the game despite every other position player being better for the opposing team, perhaps. Perhaps that's true. You can still, you're painting the black all night. You're you're keeping people off balance all night. You win. We've seen this time and again, obviously. We think about it in Major League Baseball when the last place team beats the first place team, and it's the guy on the hill that usually does it. They don't beat them 11 to 10. It's typically somebody is dealing. Well, I think the other development that is really good for Florida State's chances is the depth in the lineup. Bottom of the lineup's hitting now for power in all places. Edenfield looks like the freshman version of herself. Mm -hmm, She's mm -hmm. found her form in Oklahoma City. I mean, 
home run power for days. We all know that. But what she showed the other night, I thought the broadcast nailed it, was she's fooled. She's reading one pitch, it's another one, but has the strength to basically golf it out all upper body to left center. You're going to need things like that because you're going to get fooled against Oklahoma. You're going to need to get outs with runners on the base paths. You're going to have to clean up defensively a little bit. But then you're also going to get, if you're going to win this series, contributions from one through nine in a lineup. Got to have it. But when people like Waycaser hit a home run and uh, you got another home run from Bethany Keene, it's her first since 2021, you're going to have to have Three or four of those yeah, moments. those kind of moments, You're yeah. You're going to have to stack those together in order to win, to win two out of three from Oklahoma. Good job from our own Irish Chaffel, Warchant.com. Go read the article uh, with the comments. Unbelievably grateful. You'll see the headline, FSU softball players take a moment to celebrate their coach, Lonnie Almeida. And, you know, th- I talk a lot about this. This is, a, this is not a softball story. We talk about those teams that play really hard for coaches. And, uh, you know, those are always teams that are are fun to embrace because if you like the coach, that is. Um and, and Coach Alameda is uh, imminently likable, to say the least. Uh, but but one of the things that always seems to stand out there is this is this familial sort of feel to a locker room, to a team, to, to a group that is um, playing well, playing together, and celebrating each other. Those stories are things that we can all relate to. We've all had happy work environments, terrible work environments, been on teams in our youth or later that we loved and teams that we were sort of indifferent about. And usually there was this ability to – kind of cultivate a, a culture that is, um, uh, I don't know, accepting of a wide array of personalities and diverse backgrounds and, you know, just uh, groups that you wouldn't ordinarily associate with one another, you know, a kid from the Midwest and a kid from South Florida, a kid from the Northeast and black, white, Hispanic, you name it, whatever it might be, like every, and then that all comes together and everybody feels included. Everybody feels good. Everybody feels wanted. Everybody has a role to play. Everybody understands and associates that. And Lonnie Almeida has done that. When you listen to the comments of these players, Almost all of it begins with the transformation from their earliest. Like, so as a freshman, I felt this way. I was a little uncertain. I wasn't sure who I was. I was this, I was that. But she allowed me to be me. She allowed me to do this. The team incorporated all of that. I, I mean, as, as a leader, understanding what your job is and expressly uh, letting players know the expectations. We talk, we talk about this a lot about Leonard Hamilton. Creating in a culture... Uh, a certain way of operating. Now, you can be free to be whoever you are, and you can be free to, to whatever your personality is. You can be an introvert, extrovert, whatever it might be, but you are going to do these things, and in that way, we're all the same and come together at the right moments, and that creates a bond and a love. Yeah, it's the difference, the principal difference between Oklahoma and Florida State as programs and the way they carry themselves. Oklahoma carries themselves as an in-your-face program. Florida State carries itself as a for-all-of-us. We're all in this together program and that's what they exude on the field together that's that's the difference between the two programs look florida state and different sports over different periods of time have been in your face we were the 2014 20 you know 2013 well the 2014 was the team that wasn't likable by the rest of the country and i understood that and in some ways we didn't like them their status was zzz they were sleeping through three quarters yeah they didn't take their opponents seriously there was no respect shown to many of the teams that they faced, there was this sense that we can just turn it on and make a play. And they did. They did the entire season until they met Oregon and turned it over 47 times. But the point would be, that wasn't all that likable a bunch. We've had our own. That's true. Oklahoma's not likable. The bully seldom is. I think what happens, and I always wonder about it, in some ways we'll be watching this Florida State football team in this way, hopefully, 
hopefully this becomes a question. Once you arrive at a place of greatness and it's sustained for long periods of time, A, you are going to be on the wrong end of the vast majority of vitriol from fans all across the country because you're too successful. See Alabama. You know, let Georgia go ahead and have another great year. People about done with Georgia, right? This is, uh, this is what happens to teams that are great. And it ends up going one of two ways eventually if you're a part of the greatness, if you're part of the dominant program. Uh, at some point, uh, you build up such a shield and you're able to deflect all that and laugh at it that you embrace it and become bad guys or bad girls. You're like, okay, well, bring it. What? We're just better. You don't like that? Or, or no, you somehow find a way to remain humble. I want to find out how difficult it is to remain humble yeah. by going – back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back years into the college football playoffs and winning national championships. I want to find out whether Lonnie Alameda's team could remain humble after they win back-to-back national championships and thwart, obviously, Oklahoma. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it makes sense that that's a way to maintain your edge. If you're yeah, Oklahoma. at some point, you, like, yeah. Psychologically speaking. You know if, you're hated already. If you're going to win 59 out of 60 softball games, yeah, I mean, my yeah, God. Yeah. You've got to do something to maintain the edge. You've got to find a slight. You've got to create a monster where there is none. I get right. that. Yeah. I get that. Still, screw them eternally. Oh, screw them. agreed. Because agreed. we're doing it a different way. Right. And, and right, we've only right. lost a couple ball games in the last couple of months. Yeah. Right. No, I'm, I'm saying, and I know that this won't be back-to-back for Florida State. I understand. I'm saying I want them to win this year and again next year and then transition to the most hated team in college softball. I, I want that transition. I want to watch it. I want to see how they're able to do it. It would be fun because that's a level of dominance that you want to get to in all sports. I mean, it's, it's really difficult to ascend to that place. Florida State has a chance tonight to be all the more special. And they are embraced, I think. Uh, I can't imagine – Unless you are an Oklahoma graduate or fan of some sort and you know, you want your teams to win national championships, obviously outside of that, I would think anybody that roots for anybody else will be rooting for Florida State tonight. I know yeah. where we are and I know how loud it's going to be. It will be a home game for Oklahoma. Yeah. What I'm saying is that anybody else should ought to be rooting for Florida State. Yes, what I find interesting is um we know this from the Alabama series a couple of years ago, certainly Beth Moens doesn't seem to be on board with Florida State. I think she's in. I don't know. I, I feel like Beth is indifferent. I don't really. But the desk, the desk the, that they desk, have yeah. is on board with FSU. You heard them when yeah. the, the, they had the uh, highlights fail after the game against Tennessee. And so they just had to vamp and go on and on. And what were they talking about? The culture of Florida State, how yeah. it hits different. Yeah. How there's a different kind of togetherness that they have. And that's a program that you can really rally behind. Those talking points on the desk, I think. In the state of Oklahoma, playing against the Sooners, some people that are of the national media are like, all right, enough of this. Enough of this. I like this. They're a lot more likable than Patty Gasso's <laughs> ragtag bunch of me first players. Look at these kids. They, they're all together. They're all in this as one. I want that team to win. You could feel that energy coming through a little bit. So when is it we're rolling it out, and how are we doing the top 40? We got anything today, or is that tonight? What's going on it's here? It's going to be rolling out the next day. We are we are determining uh, independent verification, making sure that all calculations are in order, so that no player is slighted. But we have all the lists, <laughs> so we can discuss our lists about guys that might have just missed the cut or not. We could do that today if you want. I'm in on that. I just think it's funny how serious this has gotten now. But it's a better list because we have good players. So yeah. that's all I care about. It's a better list because we have good players. It's a nice way of saying it. I think next year with the roster that's going to be kind of close to this, I don't know if it'll be this top-heavy with veteran talent. We'd no. have to go into the portal and make it happen again. 
but we probably need to go 50 deep and then use 40. So that way we know the guys that just missed the cut based on points. What a good time. What a good time and transition for Florida State football. Jeff Cameron, show 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Hello there, podcasters. Oh, don't worry. I won't prattle on for two minutes like I do with some of the other reads. Zaxby's doesn't demand it of me. <laughs> Zaxby's like, look, just tell everybody that we have the best chicken sandwich in all the land. That's easy. I can do that. I can attest to that. A delicious, thick, juicy, tasty Zaxby's chicken sandwich is where it's at. Of course, the strips are a given. You like the strips. We get the strips on game days. The platters are lifesavers. Mm-hmm. If you're going to a party, a pool party, say, this summer, and what do I bring? Just bring a beer giant thing. No. and Zaxby's. Don't worry about the beer. You bring the Zaxby's, you're going to be the hero. Just uh-huh. make sure you get all the sauces, too. They've got like 97 sauces, and they're all delicious. I don't know if you guys know this. There are 27 Zaxby's in Tallahassee alone. 27. You can't miss them. I think that's true in general in every city in America. They're like so, peach trees in Atlanta. They're everywhere. Look around. Find you a Zaxby's and get after it. By the way, your Tallahassee Zaxby's a proud Golden Chief booster for 18 years. Go Knowles. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back guaranteed because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the mvp and bring home huge wins keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply Rolling on the balls, McWednesday, Jeff Cameron, show 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. 5 o'clock today, 5.15-ish today, I'll be on with Walt Diptula, Tom. We'll be going all things Florida State Clemson. Oh, what do they got going on now? Mm-hmm. He has awoken from his slumber to uh, want to talk about Florida State a little bit, and I'm just the man to do it. So I'll be on airwaves up there. In South Carolina, talking Florida State. Well, I got to tell you, Jeff, I've been looking at the two deep. I'm very impressed with what I see down there. <laughs> um, I think a lot of people are. I think it's a, it's it's the it's the realization that the conference is no longer a foregone conclusion that uh, is, I think, now agreed upon. Maybe not who's going to win, but agreed upon that this thing has gotten a far more interesting in the last couple of years, in particular after last year. And it's been in a long time. And that's good. That's good. And that's because we're good. We're really good. How good? Again, touched on it a moment ago. When we had to put together the top 40 list, and you and I both had to do that here recently, I had to admit I was I kind of left some guys off my list that I was shocked by. I was to, to, to be honest with you, I thought, man. I hate leaving this guy off the list. When you got down to the bottom, uh, in some cases, and you're looking at players, I don't want to give it away because we're gonna un- we're gonna unveil this um, kind of across shows, and we're gonna compare and contrast and do it that way. And wake up, we'll do five, and I'll do five, and we'll go back and forth every day with this or ten. I don't know how we're doing it, but what about me? You're on the show here, oh, man. Yeah, okay. 
So, so that's the royal eye. Yeah. So we're we're gonna do this, and we'll have a good time with it. We'll talk about this. Uh, but I will I will say, you know, I saw your list. You've seen my list. I had DJ Lundy on my list. You did not. That might come as a surprise yeah. to people. Yeah, I know. This, this is my number one. Eh, probably should have done that differently. I only put two linebackers in the top 40. We don't have good ones, so I understand well, the dearth of linebackers on your list. It's because I don't know who the third one is going to be, but then you know, I've got Ayotafasi on my list fairly high because I think he can be that type of an impact player at 15 to 20 snaps a game. I do. However... That's only 15 to 20 snaps a game, and that's probably the sixth or the seventh defensive tackle that I put on the list. Probably should have put a third linebacker before a sixth defensive tackle, but I just don't know who that third guy is going to be. Could be Lundy. Omar Graham had a good finish to spring, so it could be that he's trending in the right direction. Mm. Hard to say. It's hard to say. What I do know, though, is that Tafasi profiles to be an impact player, so that's probably why I rewarded him. But when I was looking at the list and seeing who some of you guys put on there, I thought, eh. Probably should have put a third linebacker in the top 40 of this team. Yeah, um, and and listen, there's still, we don't know what's going to happen with Nicholson. We don't know what's going to happen with a lot of these guys that are coming in and, and you know, had to learn in the spring or weren't even here in the spring in some cases. Um, and, you know, how quickly they can have an impact on the field. And how do you define uh, an impact? Uh, 10 snaps a game, is that a big enough in- impact to make your top 40? I would say so, yeah. I would say if you're playing 10 to 15 snaps a game, you probably are. But how many of those young guys are going to be out there for that? Omar Graham kind of, I think, profiles pretty well to be on that kind of a list of you know 6 to 12 snaps a game. Correct. He had a good finish to spring practice the stadium day. Not the spring game, but the stadium day. He made a couple of standout plays and Coach Norvell talked more effusively about Omar Graham towards the end of camp, and that was somebody that they hyped before spring even started. Sometimes that works, and sometimes it doesn't. Oh, yeah, there was a certain offensive lineman that they were begging. Two of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no longer here. No longer here. Yeah, well, yeah, didn't work out, and it was pretty obvious. One was said about, this is an important camp for him. Yes. And you and I watched that camp and went, that's a failed test. Yeah. That is a failed test. Probably about five or six practices. You never know. You never know. Every time that you've got another practice, it's a chance for the light bulb to come on. But for Omar Graham, I think it's a different story. And that could change things. If Omar Graham, DeMarco Ward, obviously Blake Nicholson, if these guys end up being productive reserves for Florida State, then maybe you can flip your reputation in the linebacker room the way you have in so many other rooms on this roster. Well, every year we do this, you end up having to project that somebody's going to take a massive step forward to justify where you have them ranked. There's going to be a player who so far has either not even done a thing for Florida State because they were elsewhere or they haven't started yet or they haven't been in a game yet, but yet you project them to do great things. A perfect example of that would be a guy that I think most people would vote somewhere in their top 10, and I don't want to give away these things, but Daryl Jackson has yet to play a down for Florida State. Daryl Jackson has played college football. You've seen him play college football. You know what he looks like. You know how he projects, but he hasn't played for Florida State. I'm projecting that if Daryl Jackson gets the waiver, first of all, that he needs to be eligible to play football, and secondly, plays to his ability, that is to suggest that he is focused and cares and recognizes that this is his money year and that he needs to go and produce something of a resume on tape in big moments of big college football games, if if that is to happen, Daryl Jackson could be an elite impact player for you. He could be potentially your very best defensive lineman. 
But those are a lot of ifs. I'm entrusting uh, Daryl Jackson with a lot of responsibility uh, that he has yet to show that he's capable of handling. And, and that, I mean, he's a mystery man. You've got the waiver aspect in all of this, and you've got the fact that he's twice a transfer already in his young career, already twice a transfer. Yeah. You don't know whether or not he's going to be eligible and whether or not he cares to play real hard and focused. That's the thing. That's why I've got, personally, Fabian higher than Daryl. I ding him for the consistency questions. But that doesn't mean that Daryl's not in the top 10 you know, because of what the potential is. And you know if he plays to his ability, the snap count is going to be as robust as any in that rotation. What you know, They're going to rotate. The starter thing doesn't matter to me. I never cared about starting, especially at a position like that. If you've got 80 snaps to distribute a game for, across two defensive tackles, and I know Adam Fuller wants some sets where he's got three on the field, but let's yeah, just say yeah, yeah, yeah. two on the field for 80 snaps. Fabian Lovett has to get the most, and I think Daryl Jackson has to get the most. And then from there, it's Farmer. From there, it's however you want to fill it out. Remember, Malcolm Ray is also on this team as well. Yeah, he's, he's yeah, not, not high but on the It's list. Fisk, it's Farmer, it's Briggs, Tafasi, Ray. But the, at the top, if they're playing consistently, it's got to be Daryl Jackson and Fabian Lovett. It's just got to be. So that's why, for me, he's a top 10 guy, but I don't know that he's as high on my list as he was on yours because of the consistency question. Well, you, you, what you've done here, though, is, is right. You, you bring up a player that it's impossible to know what he's going to be in Braden Fisk. He's going to be on everybody's list. He's yep. never played it down here. Hell, he's, I doubt very seriously many of us voting on this spent a lot of time watching his career at Western Michigan. We've seen him in a uniform. We watched him go through drills and practice that did not involve contact. So it was all about endurance. You know, we just saw what he looked like in a uniform and projected that we think he's going to be good based on the career he had at Western Michigan. But again, it's a big step up into the Power Five. There's just a lot of stuff there that I think is is in the category of unknown and makes this list fun, makes this debate fun. And, you know, you can. Hardly blame people if you're going to project that somebody's going to have a good year based on need, based on skill set, uh, and and you know perhaps you got a sense of spring that was an indicator or portends of something great for the fall. Yeah, I look at Braden Fisk's place on our lists, and it's uh, in no particular order. You and me and Corey and Aslan and Ira and Gene. These are the people that comprise the list this year. Braden Fisk is in some people's top ten. He's not in some people's top twenty which I think is fair when you have that big of a question mark and you also have a rotation there. If it was only Fabian Lovett and Raiden Fisk and your next guy in line was Malcolm Ray, then Fisk to me would be much higher on my list. I've got him a little bit lower compared the to the rest the, of the, the, the problem with this, and, and, and I'll just compare these two players, neither of which have played it down in a football game for Florida State, and they both play the same position. Braden Fisk is not the physical specimen that Daryl Jackson is. Daryl Jackson is a freak. Nobody on this team looks like Daryl Jackson. Nobody. Not Fabian, not anybody. So when we're projecting two guys that haven't played it down for us, one played at Miami, one played at Western Michigan, one's a physical freak and the other is not. He's freakish in his own way, though. He's fast for a big guy, for example. He runs sprints against Norvell and he's quick. Those two guys profile looks, well together on the field. They do. Listen, I I think what happens when you start talking about Braden Fisk, and I'm, by the way, kind of privately in the Braden Fisk fan club because I think based on fast twitch, size, all mm-hmm. of that, 
he projects very well. I agree. I think that is a very good pickup for Florida State. I think that's true. But I also am I'm careful when we do these lists because, or I'm careful when we talk about what we think is going to happen when the year starts. If you've got Braden Fisk in your top 10, I think that's a list of incredibly hopeful uh, projections. I, I, you can't, how, how, how do you have that guy in your top 10? I'm not talking about you. I don't, he's not in my top 20. He's not in my top 20. How, I think Braden Fisk might end up being a top 10 type player for us this year. He could be. That's could the be, thing. could yeah. be. But man, it feels an awful lot like I'm just hoping that this guy is everything we need him to be and not really what you saw him to be at Western Michigan. Let's not forget he's coming off of an injury. You know, he's had to rehab a shoulder. Yeah. I'm not – I like Braden Fisk. He's going to serve a, a valuable role for Florida State. He may end up being very good, but I can't hope project him into the top 10 when he hasn't – when he's coming off of an injury and hasn't you – know, he played at Western Michigan. I understand that. And, like, there are times when you'll take a swing for the downs based upon my gut is telling me to do X, Y, and Z. For example, last year, I didn't have Johnny Wilson in my top 20. A couple of our staff members did. By the end of the season, they were right. We all had Micah Pittman, I think, as entirely as a staff, Micah Pittman as a top wide receiver because of the information that we knew at the time. Well, and we season, also saw him in the spring and how good he looked. Right. Well, I mean, Johnny wasn't awful in the spring. Yeah, but, he was okay. He dropped everything, but other than that. <laughs> Everything. I mean, but a lot of, a lot of steady He wasn't driving. in my top 20. All yeah. I'm saying is by year's yeah. end, who looks correct? The person who had Johnny Wilson in their top 10 or not. Well, we, so yeah. that's the thing is is you take some swings. You take some swings at this. And Micah Pittman should not have been in the top five. And he was in everybody's top five. That was incorrect. So this is what happens after 12 more games of information. You'd have to do some projecting. And then sometimes guys develop that you don't think we're going to. And some guys regress that you thought for sure we're going to be linchpins of a rotation in a two deep. I'm having a hard. I, I I'm trying to think of, you know, the thing with Micah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, Pokey ended up being, you know, in terms of receiving production. Now, Micah as a total package was very valuable to the team because he was a blocker. He was unselfish. He brought that aura of toughness to the room. Like he he was very useful, but. We all had him as our top receiver, and I just don't – that's not so. That's not the way it played out. P. Simpson, where is Daryl Jackson's waiver on the top 40 list? <laughs> number one. It's number one on all of our top 40 list. I don't know. I can't – and I can't give a good answer on that. I get it all the time. Hey, man, you hearing anything new on uh, that waiver? No. NCAA does not consult with me about where they are in the process on the waiver, and we don't right now have access to the coaches. Um, and if we did, I don't think they'd tell us. I think they'd say we feel good about it. We feel pretty good about it. Yeah, what Ira has said is that, according to sources close to you know Florida State compliance department yeah, and so forth, yeah. that they believe this is a cookie cutter, mm. rubber stamp move mm. on kind of thing. But no. it's the NCAA. That's the problem. Is it might be precedent wise, but this is the NCAA, and they keep their own counsel for everything. Look at Baba Miller. Common sense would say, why the hell would you suspend that kid for sixteen games? He paid back his debt. He's an international. He had no idea. We don't care. It was going to be a full season, so we'll give you sixteen. Really? Okay. 
Nope. It, it was another reminder of something you didn't need a reminder of, and that is that the NCAA is wildly inconsistent and uh, fraught with uh, corruption and ignorance and 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 stupidity. Uh, Tom writes, how many tight ends made your gentleman's top 40 list? Three. Three for me. Who was your second tight end? That was the best question, wasn't it? I I wrestled with it when you said, uh, well, <laughs> let me go back and look. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah, I, I did. I ended up uh, going with Marquiston Douglas as my second tight end. Yeah, just could, he's more versatile for what we need. He's also been here longer. He's yeah. already proven it in games, and he's a different kind of tight end. He's going to play a lot. And uh, I think Biscuit's a real difference maker, especially against zone. He's a ma- he's a problem. I I, I like him a lot. Um, yeah, so he's my second. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. It's not that Morlock doesn't have a lot of of usefulness in this offense. He is a, a receiving mismatch, and over time, he's got two years of eligibility, if I'm not mistaken. So I know that a lot of these kids want to come in here and go one and done. Go Keon- to the league. Keandre Jones is one of those in the offensive line. Hey guys. If you hang around for another year in this offense and Jaheim Bell's gone and a couple of these interior offensive linemen are gone, you now can be the star. So I think this is a chance for both Marquiston and then Kyle Morlock to springboard to next year. Then what they can do is say to Landon Thomas, the five-star all-everything, this is how it's done, young man. A little bit of this, a little bit of that, and now you're going to be the star, and they pass the torch. That's how these things work. Go sell it, Tom Wayne. Go sell it to these kids. Go sell it to Moses. McCray on the bike. It's Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. What's up, guys? Our next partner that you're going to hear from is Athletic Greens. You've heard me talk about Athletic Greens in the past. Happy to talk about them again. I take Athletic Greens every day, and I gave them a try because certainly I wanted more energy, sustained energy. I wanted to support my immune system. I don't like taking pills and vitamins per se. And I wanted something that tasted good, too. And the first time I tried it, I was very surprised. Uh, It had an appreciable effect on my energy levels. And also, uh, over time, you'll note that it uh, it helps your skin, your hair, your nails. I don't have a lot of hair, but if I did, I bet I could feel that. I bet I could tell. It's a comprehensive health uh, habit, and uh, it is a a powerful one at that. AG1 is great for recovery. Uh, That's Athletic Greens. And uh, I, I take mine basically when I wake up every morning. I don't have to worry about it because you get all the nutrients that you want. It's the best way to ensure that you're going to get all of your vitamins. It's a carbon neutral business, by the way, if that's important to you. It is to a lot of people, and that's good to know as well. I would also note that uh, it is a comprehensive solution to what you need from a supplement routine. Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs right now with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash JCS. Helps me out, guys, if you use that. Not financially, but it lets them know that you heard this ad on my show. And I do take it, and I am vouching for them because I enjoy their product. Athleticgreens.com slash JCS. Check it out. I think you'll note the difference in your life with a simple drink each and every morning to start your day. Athleticgreens.com slash JCS.
No doubt that buying a home can feel overwhelming, especially if it's your first home. You're worried about location, school zones, square footage, inspections, insurance, loan approvals, interest rates, and, of course, price. Buying a home can be the most significant investment you've ever made. Most of the time it is, but there's good news. You have our friends at Legendary Home Loans on your side and in your corner. They'll go to bat for you. Shannon Young from Legendary Home Loans can help first-time home buyers get up to $25,000 for your down payment for first responders, vets, teachers, military, and healthcare workers. That's not all. Shannon is an expert navigating the home loan terrain. You can trust that he's going to get you the most competitive interest rates, guide you through the process every step of the way. Plus, Shannon will also get your closing costs reduced. It's the Hometown Heroes Program at Legendary Home Loans. Give them a call today, 844-FSU-LOAN. That's 844-FSU-LOAN. Go to FSUHomeLoans.com and ask for Shannon Young. There you go. There you go. Damn it, man, the Iron Sheik died. I'm mad about that today. Been a lot of a lot of things going down lately, man. I'm just a, I'm a little shook. A lot of death. A lot of death. Yeah, some real tragedy, and 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 some close, some not so much, and some at a distance like this one. But we got to slow our roll, everybody. Let's let's everybody all right. Let's check on each other. Everybody okay? Feeling okay, Tom? You all right? Yeah. Everybody all right? My dad's brother-in-law passed away last week. He called me and said, "You know, I think for your aunt, she's actually relieved. It's been years and years of this." I said, "Okay, <laughs> have we gotten to that point?" <laughs> Where I'm going to be getting these calls of, it was actually for the best. You know, as everybody gets older, you hear that more in their descriptors of when somebody passes. But by the way, uh, it's been years with this is one of my all-time favorites. It's been years with this. Sickness. Well, yeah. (laughs) Apparently, she was carrying the weight of the world, which is very difficult. That's why those vows are tough sometimes. Hey, Bob, how are you? Yeah, let me guess you're sick. You going to tell me you're sick? Again, years with this. Yeah. That was like one of our former interns who was always sick, always had a cold, always sneezing. Mm. I I don't have uh, a ton of patience, uh, you know, for sneezing. That. I don't have a lot of patience with uh, those that are incessantly sick. I'm just always kind of like, let's get it together, guys. Let's get it together. And you know, I know enough to walk away and not say anything because that person doesn't want to be sick. But I'm thinking it. <laughs> My seasonals have only gotten worse, and I'm glad that we're not in the original ESPN studio because it was a divider, not a separate room. Mm. The past two studios we've had are proper as separate rooms, but you would not have taken to that very well. Mm -mm. Who are the players? We got asked this in the chat on this list that uh, made the list but are much further down this year than they were a year ago. That's actually a fun question. Shows you again that we continue to raise the floor. And you have an opportunity to see kids pass others and, and yet still be of value. They just uh, aren't aren't starters. They're just or or if they are starters, um, their their role has been lessened because we've been able to infiltrate the roster with real talent, difference making talent. Just wait till you see Keon Coleman, everybody. <laughs> that is that was a fun one to try to list on this uh, to put this in this uh, top forty list as well. Keon Coleman. Yeah, a few that stand out. Ja'Kai Douglas was somewhere towards the middle of several lists last year, and he snuck in on mine because when you got that kind of speed and you're going to be the fifth guy on the field if they go empty or the fourth if they've got Trey Benson in the backfield, I mean, you're going to be wide open. Yeah, he didn't make my list. I don't think he did last year either. No, nah, he, he, I don't feel anything about him. Uh, Dennis Briggs fell on my list. He's still on it, and I think he's an important piece. It's just I don't know where the hell he fits, and, and I don't know that they do. 
But yeah, I don't know what they do either. I, I like Dennis Briggs. I think he's versatile. And I think he's finally healthy, so we'll see. He made my list for sure. I think I had AZ Thomas higher last year. Well, we got we fell in love with him, and uh, he's way down on my list this year too, but he did make it. I, I need him to take a big step. I hope he takes it out on us. I hope he's frustrated. I hope he sees the list and says, what the hell, man? Akeem Dent down on the list from last year. Still going to start, but down on the list. Well, he he's proven oh. over a large swath of uh, football games that he's he belongs way down there. Here's one for you. Kevin Knowles. That's probably... Uh, Didn't make my list. Yeah. And he would have absolutely been a part of everybody's list last year. And it might have been injury. And maybe he comes back and everything is A-OK and he looks like the player that he could have been or he projected to be as his freshman season went about. But Kevin Knowles plummeted from year over year. I think what you get with a lot of players, and, and we talk about how many of these guys are dealing with being nicked up or or a little bruised and beat, battered. You know, you get guys playing through things, and then sometimes that affects their confidence. And I mean, we've got some players that are no longer on this roster, that are no longer on this program, in this program. There's guys that are playing at Colorado. Pretty much anybody who couldn't cut it here uh, fell off a cliff, didn't play good football, was a malcontent, ended up at Colorado. And, and so those guys uh, are guys that kind of, you know, went from being – very high on this list to out of the program, falling into the laps of uh, Deion Sanders. There you go. Our scraps are headed your way, big guy. Hey, we got another guy that failed here. You want him? I know you do. If you could retain either two Colorado players, either McClendon or Brendan Gant, who would you have retained? Uh, Brendan Gant. I don't like our linebacking core, and I think um, we need that the, the kind of versatility that he gave that linebacking yeah. core. He he could Coverage. cover. He could yeah. cover. Yeah, I would say Brendan Gant. Um, I think you kind of replaced McClendon with a McClendon kind of. You replaced him with a guy that was him, and that's why he was pissed to begin with. Gilbert showed some signs towards the end of spring, but I I don't know. We'll see. That's yeah, a, that's I, a we'll see. That what what I think is um, odd was that 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 ever happened that any of this ever happened it, it says a little bit doesn't it they kind of yeah it <laughs> yeah because here's the deal man McClendon was going to play and he's going to play a significant role he was a good football player he mattered he was a rotational piece not an elite player uh, not a difference maker in the sense that, you know, you go into games and offensive coordinators are worried about McClendon. That was not the case um, without question. But, you know, he, he wasn't so important to, you you know, your, your step forward this year that you were going to bend over backwards for him. And if he was difficult and thought his value was greater and you had another player who was, Physically, his mirror available to you. Yeah. Age-wise, physically, the mirror. I just don't know if he is athletically equal. He might be a little bit lower on the, on the totem pole. We'll see. There's not enough information yet. But I'll be interested to see how Gilbert Edmond looks in fall camp. if he's Because McClendon every once in a while would be shot out of a cannon. I, I didn't see that too much from Edmond in spring. I think the thing about McClendon was he he probably got it in his ear that he was he was had opportunities financially and this is something we're going to deal with every year and you're never really going to have the whole picture. I think a lot of times you try to be careful with that, but I, I don't 
you know, it, this is, I think he thought he could get a lot more money than he ended up getting. Hour number two forthcoming. Stay with Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Mm-hmm. 